the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 487 for October 11th, 2015. Jumping on the iPhone 6 bandwagon, AT&T launches Wi-Fi calling and new hardware from Microsoft. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, before we get into the news, I found myself this week with a few new toys that I want to talk about. So first up... Just two days after uh, I got my new service with T-Mobile that we talked about on last week's show, I took advantage of their latest promotion uh, with the offer to get the iPhone 6S for just $5 a month with the Jump On Demand program. So I got one for myself and one for my wife and ended up going with the 128 gig models. Uh, it was just $200 out the door and, in fact, dropped the price from three to, or $5 a month down to $3 a month if you went with those models. Um, the main difference is, of course, are the live photos and 3D touch of the 3D touch is uh, taking some getting used to is basically just to remember that it was actually there is really what the biggest thing has been. Um, but I do see kind of a potential long-term utility in this functionality. Um, there's a couple of things that are really stuck out to me. I love being able to add a quick photo uh, in Evernote, uh, and that includes things like taking photos of receipts or business cards. Um, I love being able to make calls with essentially a single press of, uh, of the phone uh, icon and then sliding to my favorite that I have stored in there or sending a message. I send Joey a lot of messages and it's easy to just literally hold down on the messages icon and slide to Joey and start typing, uh, especially if I was on another message before then. So it's really from that kind of perspective, there's a lot of utility to it. Um, you know, the other part of it is with this new device, of course, you've got obviously the, the included speed improvements, the new camera improvements and all of that. Uh, but one of the really the biggest things for me was making the switch over to T-Mobile. Um, it takes advantage of a brand new band uh, that they've put into the 6S and 6S Plus, And that's band 12 for the T-Mobile extended range LTE. And it really does offer an enhanced experience. And so those that have T-Mobile and have iPhones and you have the opportunity to upgrade if you're someone who has had some areas where you've seen a little spotty coverage here or there definitely check one out at the very least just to try out to understand if it's going to work for you um, because as I mentioned in last week's show um, the service testing that I had done over the course of the first I think it was six hours since I had the T-Mobile service had gone really well with the exception of one spot and that was my house um, I was relegated to just a single bar of 4G service um, I brought in the 6S right away when I got it tested it out three bars of LTE now throughout the entire house uh, except the basement which is now two bars of LTE so even there uh, I'm seeing a big improvement um and uh, so that that alone i think to me makes this this upgrade worthwhile um I will say the there's a couple of things that I don't like about it. I don't like the weight of the device that has actually taken um, a lot of getting used to. It, it actually feels, in my opinion, too heavy um, for the size, and I think that just comes from my using of the lighter um, six over the last year. Yeah, and 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 I saw when they did the announcement uh, the, the weight, and uh, it's equivalent to three quarters worth. So you know, I literally stuck three quarters on my screen. You know, you hold them in your hand; they don't feel that heavy, but you stick them on your screen you, you can't you have to have a cantilever of that weight essentially uh the way you kind of typically hold phones towards the bottom and you can definitely feel that weight and then that really kind of disappointed me when i uh did that experiment and it <clears throat> probably wouldn't have um, <clears throat> even really noticed it if it weren't for the fact that i'd used the six over the last year but also because i when i was doing the transition from one device to the other of course i had both in my hands and it's just it's a 
it's a noticeable difference in the weight. Um, I do, I have a case on it, mine as well, so that adds even more to it, but it's just the leather case. It's not something that's incredibly big or bulky or <clears throat> honestly really that heavy. And so um, that has probably been the biggest disappointment about it. Um, the battery life has been fine. Um, we're going to talk about that in a little bit uh, in one of the stories, just about what's going on with the iPhones and battery life. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, overall, I think that there's, um, I think that may be a little bit blown out of proportion. I guess it depends on whichever device that you have and which processor that you have. Honestly, I have not even taken the time to figure out which one it is because um, even at the, the end of my busiest days here, I'm still seeing myself with, you know, 30, 40, 50% battery life left. And so that's good enough for me. In some of these, these you know, supposed experiments of this, I mean, I, I can't even imagine that just uh, the normal, you know, a, a statistical error in some of these things would actually account for the differences they're seeing in battery life. And, uh, you know, just it, it seems so minor. And if this really is something that is realistic, Apple will probably just put a software throttle on to the, you know, the quote unquote faster processor to make them more consistent. So it's, it's, it's something that's really kind of far outside of the, the normal user's realm of, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And obviously they're just trying it to ensure that they have, you know, in their supply chain, they've got differences and so that they're not relegated to one processor and, and can probably doing some different testing here. And I would imagine this is how it's going to be moving forward. So I, I don't expect to see too much difference here. But uh, anyway, talking about coverage leads me to uh, the next toy that I got, which was the T-Mobile Cell Spot. So thanks to the following email that I got right after last week's show, um, I was able to get this T-Mobile Cell Spot the very next day. So this came from Vince. And he writes, uh, I heard that you made the move to T-Mobile listening to your podcast. I heard that the service in your house wasn't good. T-Mobile offers a cell phone booster or cell booster for free. It's not a gadget like the other carriers use that uh, uses the home internet to piggyback on. This is a real cell booster that has two parts to it. One part goes in the highest part of your house and the other goes in the part of your office or whatever preferred first floor area that you want to, uh, to enhance that you don't have great coverage on. The entire house is then covered with either LTE or HSE. HSPA service. If you live outside uh, LTE coverage in your house, um, will get great. Uh, if you have LTE outside of your house, you will get great LTE service inside. If you, however, have no LTE service outside, you'll get a huge boost with HSPA plus. It works fantastic. Um, P.S. You may uh, also get the new phones with band 12. They really will make a difference for you in the, if you have band 12 in your area, but get the booster no matter what. It really works. Good luck. So this is interesting, you know, you, you sent this to me, uh, Mickey, after you got it, and I was like, oh, it's just a normal, you know, uh, uh, whatever the, the femtocell thing that you have to have the internet connection with, because that's what I just assumed when I saw it, because that's what they, they all are, because that's what carriers have only done if they do one of these things at all. And, and I was just shocked when you kind of uh, corrected me, saying, no, no, this is uh, an actual signal booster. And, you know, back to the days of, uh, you know, five some years ago when you're using Wilson products and the the, uh, the other one, which I cannot remember off the top of my head, um, that were actual signal repeaters that they're kind of unsanctioned by the carriers. And, and you would have to really, in order to make them work properly, run an antenna uh, to a different location where the, the signal amplifier was. And this device takes that ability, you know, takes that uh, wire that you'd have to run for antenna and virtualizes it into a, obviously some sort of, uh, you know, wireless data connection uh, from the receiver part. So this is a really, really interesting device that uh, um, I'm really amazed to actually see it because typically carriers don't really do this kind of thing on their own networks, uh, you know, have something that could potentially cause issues on their networks by actually transmitting on the same frequency bands. Well, let me dive into that a little bit more because it is it is a fascinating product here. So, I mean, I literally called up and told them my situation and I had one overnighted. 
In fact, I had two overnighted because they screwed it up on the, and I had two of these included in the box. But I think only one of them is activated because there was only one activation code that got sent to me, and some of this one is activated with this, um, you know, serial number. And so I took that one out and I used it. So, um, but essentially, um, just take take the unit. Um, they have one called a window unit, and the window unit goes, as you would imagine, up next to a window in the highest part of your house. Um, that unit literally plugs into the wall, and it's this little box about the size of a cable modem that just sits next to the window. Then you take the other box that's an identical box with the same size, same footprint, same plug-in, and you bring it down to a lower level of your house. You plug that one in. And there's a screen on it and it tells you whether or not it's making a connection with the upstairs unit and then what the essentially enhancement level is. And it's a one to 10 scale and there's a digital readout and it gives you a number. So I went upstairs, I plugged in the unit, I went downstairs, I plugged in the unit within a minute, it gave me the number eight and they say anything above, I think a seven is good. So I said, okay, so we're good. And I was, it, that was it. I mean, it literally was a less than five minute setup process. No wire to run, as you imagine. Um, it has a signal readout on the upstairs unit that shows you how many bars of service that it's seeing. And one thing that I did see is that it does not appear to be uh, support band 12 at this point because it was seeing minimal LTE service, but it's still picking up LTE signal nonetheless, and then repeating it down into the lower levels of the house. Now, one of the things that I also noticed was that with the new band 12 in the 6S, uh, now that I have LTE service throughout the house, um, the phone itself is not switching over to this unless I essentially force it to by turning off the radio and turning it back on when I'm in proximity to the cell booster because the service is so good in the house now. So this may not be something that I necessarily need moving forward, but um, it was good to uh, to at least try it out and to understand this. And Vincent, you absolutely uh, came up with a solution here that uh, if I would not have gotten the new phone, this absolutely would have helped me out at home. Yeah, and that's really interesting that your Band 12 is so great that the rest of it is not, and especially considering it is so new. So that's, you know, it seems kind of unusual, but it really looks like T-Mobile is, you know, working on deploying that quickly. But then on the flip side, if you have, you know, a really good Wi-Fi connection with the uh, thing, you know, it kind of... Uh, just surplants a need for that too. Yeah, and that's a, that's the other part is that you know once you get that all set up, um, in which I don't right now because we're not living in that house yet. Um, but yeah, I'm basically on T-Mobile Wi-Fi all the time, which is is got a number of benefits to it. You're not you know having to deal with the outside cell carrier and, and their network and all of that. But it also it really does help with battery life because you're essentially on Wi-Fi all the time now, and it's not searching for service and and uh, you know switching back and forth and all of that. So there's there's some great advantages of that as well. So. Um, lots of uh, lots of stuff to love there uh, with that. And if you've got T-Mobile and you've got problems, make sure you uh, give them a call and, and ask for one of those. Again, those are called the T-Mobile sell spots. Uh, finally, uh, today in my, let's say, toys section, uh, I got a Surface Pro 3. No, not the brand new 4. This is the Surface 3. Uh, it's a work device, and that's really just sometimes how IT departments work, where you just get older products. Or they actually, I've, they had this one on order for me for a while, so it is what it is. Uh, but either way, the device has been, um, I, I've had it now for the vast majority of this past week. I think I got it on Tuesday. Um, and uh, it's pretty interesting. You know, I came from a, a pretty powerful Lenovo all-in-one desktop and then used an iPad as my mobile device. 
But the problem was, is I really wanted to do um, more when I was away from away from my desk, um, and I was not a fan of the laptops, Lenovo laptops that the company was providing. So um, I basically got to be a, a tester here of the the new surfaces. And uh, long story short, um, you know, we're starting to see. Um, different types of mobile devices for employees and uh, you know whether it's an iPad and that's someone that's all they're using at this point or someone who wants something a little bit different than a laptop I use surface Um, the surface pro is a great option here Um, I was another lucky person to be able to test out Windows 10 I've not been able to try this out yet so I've got that up and running on it Um, and really honestly not having used a convertible tablet before I've been surprised um, just how novel some of the features are you know but like being able to flip the keyboard underneath it and still use it uh, as a tablet with the keyboards underneath but um, you know ultimately it's there's a lot to love with this here but there's also of course a lot to learn not having used one of these in the past yeah there is and of course you know if you're coming from Windows 7 you know there's a lot of differences between Windows 8, 8.1, and now 10. So it's, uh, and then of course, even 10 has been changing pretty rapidly, even since from the technical preview releases just a couple months ago. And even since the release, they've you know changed some features and, and done some tweaks still. And they, they, they say they're going to keep doing that. Uh, so that's kind of interesting as well. But the Surface Pro 3 has been very good for me for the, uh, the, the, I think I've got four of them deployed right now. And uh, no complaints uh, from anybody really with these. So they're, they're holding up pretty well and uh, people seem to like them. I've got a docking station with it too, which is helpful during the day. Just c- come into the office, pop it down. Um, and then of course, keyboard, mouse and monitor all. Uh, and of course, wired ethernet as well. All uh, sync up into it. And uh, so that works out quite well uh, for being in the office. And then just uh, literally pull the, the, the dock apart, pull the thing out and I'm ready to go for at night when I'm done with it. Yeah, so there's uh, one thing I'd recommend getting on eBay. You can get the uh, mini display port adapters for VGA, HDMI, and the uh, DVI for they're like you know six, seven, eight bucks for those adapters. And uh, if you do have to travel and connect to projectors, you definitely want to get uh, uh, a couple of those. I yep, I do indeed. I got two of them. There's a there's a micro center right around the corner, so uh, I probably paid too much for them, but I do have them now. Yep, there, uh, and then also, of course, uh, the, that uh, device supports the MHL standard, which is the um, uh, Microsoft sells these, and they, they, you can get a few other adapters. It's a it's an AirPlay like wireless video standard where you where it's uh, usually uh, has an HDMI connector on it. Interesting. So that's that's where there's like casting type of options in the operating system. So I guess that's what that would be. I haven't haven't yet figured that that part of it out. But uh, you know, I'm I'm a pretty basic person. I use a web browser, email client, uh, rest of the office suite as well, and Evernote. And that's pretty much the extent of the applications that I use uh, on my on my device. So I'm I'm pretty lean as far as it goes. And so this is um, a device that will definitely take whatever I can throw at it with with relative ease. Um, you know, I here's the thing. I don't know that I would necessarily choose one of these for myself if I was going out to buy something but I definitely see why people like them and I think it's going to be a pretty interesting device to use as a, a device for work and being mobile with it um, you know it's not quite a laptop it's not quite a tablet um, but it does make the transition between the two a little bit easier and it kind of negates having to carry both a laptop and a tablet um, I don't think I'll be getting um, my getting rid of my iPad anytime soon but I don't know that I'll be carrying my iPad with me for work things now that I've got this yeah, and of course the you know you you, you kind of uh, beat around it, but what's really missing is LTE support, right? I mean yes. that's what that's what this thing really needs. You know, kind of bring it back to mobile here and what the show is about, and and you know some of the newer ones. I think it does have the LTE option in the Surface Three, not the Surface Pro Three, I, I, if that's I remember right. correctly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what's really missing from this device because the 
the, the necessity of workplace uh, computers and the, the data security and the data privacy that is required for basically every company, and every company should be doing this, uh, the use of Wi-Fi, uh, basically, if you're out of the office, should just not be allowed. And your device should have a built-in LTE connection to VPN tunnel back to the, to the corporate network at all times is basically something that should be there. And uh, it is very uh, troubling that they don't have the LTE option for this. Well, and it's and that was really my biggest and only complaint so far. I mean, I could gripe about you know the the trackpad not really being all that great, but you can easily use a, a separate mouse with it if you want and stuff like that. Not not that you want to bring yet yet another piece of hardware into the work, uh, work stream workflow. But um, you know, but yeah, having not having built in wireless, I mean, is going to essentially mean that I will have to tether it to do anything now. Um, I guess the good news is that it's easy enough to do it with my phone and it has a built-in USB port on it so I can easily plug in the phone to the device itself to keep it charged up while I'm tethered and uh, and be able to uh, not deplete the battery of my phone in the process of tethering it. So um, I, I, I guess there is there are some workarounds, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's just not the same as having built-in connectivity. Um, I, I don't know um, if that's ever going to be a thing. Um, you see it in a lot of laptops where they've got the SIM slots on it. And I'm not sure if how those function or how they work. I've never actually taken the time to, to dig into that. But um, that, that is that is the biggest thing. Um, you know, and I, I find that the iPad as a result of it still beats it in portability. I mean, it, it probably weighs twice as much as the iPad, maybe even more. Um, you know, and again, really for that reason alone, for not having that built-in LTE connection, again, the iPad isn't going anywhere for, for a while. But uh, um, very interesting stuff here. Lots of, lots of new toys and things to try out here. And and uh, obviously, a lot of a uh, lot of new stuff coming down the pike as well. Not just uh, not just this stuff, but anyway. Uh, let's move on and kick off the news this week. Uh, California Governor Jerry Brown signing a new law uh, into the into the books here, prohibiting snooping on citizens' electronic communications without first obtaining warrants. Uh, the law is called the California Electronic Communications Privacy Act, and it forbids the government from accessing electronic device information by means of physical interna- interaction or electronic communication on the device. So, for example, police will no longer be able to use stingrays unless they get permission from a judge to do so. So, a stingray, of course acts like a cell tower and tricks phones into connecting to them and then once connected the uh, police can pull location call messaging and other data from the handsets the problem is though is that these stingrays collect any information of any device that connects to them and it doesn't just select out the handsets that it's trying to find and so it's essentially pulling information uh, from people's handsets without them knowing even if they're uh, not uh, convicted of any sort of criminal activity Uh, the uh, the law is being backed by the ACLU and a lot of tech companies, including Apple, Facebook, and Google. Governor Brown, uh, that he just signed the law and says um, that no, no to warrantless government snooping or other digital information with this. It's a landmark win for our digital privacy and for all Californians as well. Uh, California, not the only one to enact legislation like this. Uh, similar laws already exist in Minnesota, Utah, Virginia, and Washington. The law covers California-based law enforcement and does not apply to federal organizations. The FCC on Wednesday approving a waiver requested by AT&T to allow them to launch Wi-Fi calling. And finally, on Friday, AT&T then did enable Wi-Fi calling for the iPhone. iPhone owners who've had uh, updated to iOS 9 can make and receive voice calls via Wi-Fi rather than the AT&T network. The feature is meant to help people remain connected when cellular coverage is poor. And Wi-Fi calling can be set up directly from the iPhone and requires several steps. AT&T says customers have, uh, have to have postpaid accounts set up with HD 
HD voice in order to activate the feature. Wi-Fi calling works automatically with the subscriber's existing phone number, and the service is free to you. So finally, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and uh, FCC approves it, and AT&T rolls it out essentially right away. So basically, you have the, the loan holdout of Verizon for the big four. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wonder if that's ever going to change. I mean, they've said, you know, we're not going to change this. We're not going to, you know, make, um, make this available, but I think they can only hold that stance for so long. Um, and honestly, I mean, it, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was the primary reason that I left them because I did have service issues. And so th- that was really the biggest reason, but it would have helped, right? I mean, if I would have had the ability to do this and I had more than one X service in my office and better than 3G service in my new house, then I would have absolutely considered it to be, uh, you know, to be viable to, to switch over to it. But um, I also know that, you know, I, again, take my own advice. 90% of my time is spent in certain places and I need to make sure that my phone works at them. And so this was, um, you know, the, this, this is going to be too little too late, but ultimately if Verizon does, um, you know, make that, uh, make that available, I think it's going to make a lot of people happy. So, uh, we'll see if, uh, you see what happens with that. AT&T and T-Mobile agreeing to exchange PCS and AWS Spectrum licenses in a handful of markets this week. They said identical amounts of Spectrum are being traded, so the carrier Spectrum positions will remain unchanged in the covered markets. The uh, AT&T and T-Mobile claim the exchange will help to create larger 15 by 15 or 20 by 20 megahertz blocks of contiguous Spectrum in these markets. Those include Austin, Boston, Minneapolis, Sacramento, uh, Phoenix, and San Antonio. Uh, Terms of the deals were not disclosed. The FCC will be needing to approve these transactions before the exchange of the licenses can occur. Verizon this week announcing plans to let AT&T, uh, or excuse me, AOL track customers' mobile browsing activity through the use of a super cookie. Super cookie is a tool that's been used by Verizon to help it build user profiles via the browser. Beginning in November, that data will be accessible to AOL's advertising network so the company can be more effective in targeting ads based on users' browsing habits. Verizon bought AOL earlier this year. The super cookies can, however, be deleted from Verizon phones, but they're activated by default, and most consumers don't know about them or how to get rid of them. AT&T stopped using super cookies last year, but Verizon has continued that practice. Verizon claims that the, the move protects the user privacy because AOL owns, or Verizon is own, owning AOL uh, with in all of its one company. Uh, Verizon subscribers should expect to see more targeted ads once AOL has access to those ads. So uh, obviously, depending on how you feel about that type of thing, you may want to go in and turn those off. And again, you know, I don't think you can actually delete them from your phone. I think the super cookies were something where it's kind of like it's it's tied into the account more so than the act phone device itself. But anyway, this is a great reminder. Whenever we kind of have one of these ridiculous Verizon privacy things come up, uh, make sure you go to the Verizon privacy settings page. It's kind of hard to get to, but find that and turn off all of that junk that uh, Verizon uh, turns on by default uh, and opt out of all of that stuff, including the super cookie thing, because there's a whole bunch on there. If you're on a regular consumer account they, that they uh, track and turn on and uh, just, just turn that junk off. Yeah, and it's it's probably worth it to pretty much click through every page uh, on Verizon's on your account. Um, there's a lot of them. There's a couple of dozen uh, pages and different options and stuff like that that you can find. And um, you'll probably end up turning a lot of the stuff off. That's uh, stuff like being able to download stuff uh, and pay paid downloads. When was the last time you paid 
to download something over like a text message, like a ringtone thing or something. You probably never do it. And so it makes sense to be able to turn that off. Oh, that's a, and that's a great reminder. Yes, I forgot to mention all that stuff. Yeah, turn off the, the uh, you know, if, in, and in fact, you don't subscribe, but the, the, the premium text messaging services that were slamming uh, a bunch of people, you know, on T-Mobile and AT&T mostly, but Verizon was doing it as well, where you'd somehow get subscribed to these, you know, $10 a month services that you have no idea what's going on. So you can disable it, all that stuff off. So uh, yeah, definitely check those settings out. Yeah, that's ridiculous that all that stuff is still on these accounts. But at the same time, they're, um, you know, they're making money. Some other companies are making money. And so just be smart about it and go and check that stuff out and uh, turn it off if you don't want it on. Verizon this week said it intends to increase the price of its grandfathered unlimited mobile data plans by $20 per month for a total on the data side of $50 per month. Uh, the change only affects 1% of Verizon customers, those that have held on to unlimited plans since they stopped being offered back in 2013. Any customer who has an unlimited plan under contract will be able to keep the current pricing until the contract terms are fulfilled. However, the majority of people with unlimited data plans are off contract. The $50 includes unlimited data, but no voice or messaging services. Those cost extra. To offset the increased price a little bit, Verizon will allow people to, uh, with these old unlimited plans to purchase devices through an installment plan rather than at full retail cost. Verizon currently offers data in small, medium, large, extra large, and extra, extra large allotments and prices ranging from $30 for one gigabyte to $100 for 15 gigabytes. Verizon said the change will go into effect after November 15th. Government and corporate accounts will not be affected. So not many people out there with unlimited accounts anymore, but if you are one, you are going to be seeing a price increase here very soon. And Verizon on Friday announcing five plans for customers to connect tablets or hotspots to Verizon's network on a no-contract basis. The month-to-month data plans cost $15 per week for 500 megabytes, $20 per month for 1 gig, $35 for 2 gigs, $60 for 5 gigs, and $100 for 10 gigs. Customers can enroll in AutoPay to keep their accounts alive and only top up when needed. Verizon says customers can replenish their accounts directly on their device, online, or via refill credits. The plans are compatible with 3G and 4G equipped tablets and other mobile broadband devices. And on the Sprint side, it's no secret that Sprint has been shutting down its older WiMAX network around the country in favor of the newer LTE-based one. But the problem is the change will affect thousands of low-income households that rely on the older network for internet access. The Pioneer Press in St. Paul says that more than 14,000 households in the Twin Cities that get low-cost internet service via a St. Paul nonprofit called PCs for People could see their access cut off when Sprint switches off its WiMAX network. PCs for People said Sprint should upgrade their customers' modems to the new system, but the company says that it cannot do so without better terms. And I'm guessing those terms are, i.e., service that's being provided for free or very cheaply to them to be able to provide to these low-income uh, residents. Yeah, I think so, because I looked into this uh, article a little bit into, uh, more in depth, because it's in this market here, and it's like, you know, three companies deep, because, you know, Sprint is the a- actual owner of the network, and, you know, it was formerly Clearwire, and then there's a, 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 a wholesaler of the, of the data network that this other company is then going through to get these things out, and there's another company in the in, in the mix. So yeah, obviously uh, the terms are going to be uh, very important because if they're trying to provide something 
uh, on a very, very low cost because I think it was a, about $10 a month uh, for what the people were being charged for their uh, internet access in the WiMAX network here was, you know, that's, that is very reasonable depending on how much data they're actually uh, getting for that amount. But uh, when I saw the story, I, the, the WiMAX network completely was out of my mind. I had, I completely forgot about it and how bad it actually was here uh, in the Twin Cities and was just shocked to learn that anybody's actually still using it because even at the time, I think they may have had five or six towers is all they ever got to here in the, in the twin Cities. So it was just, it was just miserable. So, um, I'm surprised the WiMAX network is even still around because it was just really bad. Well, you know, we're talking about here, 14,000 household. It's number one. It's, it's, it's a significant number in that, um, that's, probably more than five or six towers worth are supporting so it, it's apparently a little bit more built out now but uh, either way it's a um, you know it's interesting to think about just how there's a segment that's using wireless as their only means of internet access and that's that's a pretty fascinating thing in and of itself but to your point yeah I totally forgot that WiMAX was even a thing or that they even had it it just kind of they transitioned away from it so quickly because they knew that it was kind of a time to cut and run uh, scenario and um, ultimately it just was uh, it, yeah, it's amazing that there's still anything out there that's that's still up and running and operating as as far as a, an infrastructure is concerned. Yeah, another uh, another great purchase decision by Sprint, it seems. <laughs> yeah, not 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 so much. Um, uh, moving on, U.S. Sailor on Tuesday lowering the pricing of its shared connect data plans. The company now offers a gig for twenty five bucks, three gigs for forty five, six for sixty bucks. 10 for 70, 12 for 80, 15 for 90, and 20 gigabytes for $110 per month. Line access charges per device on plans below 10 gigs cost $20 per month, while device access charges drop to $15 on plans 10 gigs and higher. All plans include unlimited talk and text. U.S. Cellular offers device financing over 20 months and allows customers to upgrade after 12 payments if they wish. The new plans are available starting immediately. Virgin Mobile announcing data-free music. This is a program that lets customers stream an unlimited amount of music over the cellular network with no impact to their data plan. The feature mirrors one that T-Mobile has had for the last year and is being added to Virgin's $35, $45, and $55 plans, offering 1, 3, and 8 gigabytes of high-speed data, respectively. Customers that have plans will be able to listen to as much music as they want from iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Slacker Radio. Virgin said it may add more music providers over time. Data consumed via these music streaming providers will not count against monthly data limits. Data-free music is available beginning um, on October 9th, which was this past Friday. And Dish Network said this week that they plan to participate in the FCC 600 megahertz incentive auction starting next year. Uh, according to the, an executive with the satellite TV provider, the company will bid on airwave licenses, even though it was recently denied a $3.3 billion discount on licenses that it won in last year's, or this year's, AWS 3 auction. The company said it did, it did not say uh, what it plans to do with the spectrum, as it already owns a significant amount of it, uh, but it, and it's also yet to deploy its own wireless network. Sprint recently said it it will not participate in the auction while T-Mobile has been vocal about its intention to spend up to $10 billion on the 600 megahertz airwaves. Well, in device news, Apple responded this week to claims that suggest, suggested there's a material difference in the battery life produce, produced by the Samsung and TSMC-sourced A9 processors in its new iPhones. Both Samsung and TSMC are making the A9 processor for the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. Samsung's version uses the 9, or excuse me, the 14 nanometer process and has a slightly smaller footprint than the TSMC 16 nanometer chip. 
Several benchmark tests imply that the Samsung A9 drains the battery up to two hours sooner than S, uh, TSMC's. Apple says the tests aren't realistic, and real-world variances are an order of 2 to 3% or about 12 to 15 minutes per day under normal usage. Certain manufactured lab tests, which run the processors with a continuous heavy workload until the battery depletes, are not representative of real-world usage since they spent an unrealistic amount of time at the highest CPU performance state, said Apple in a statement. It is misleading. a misleading way to measure real-world real battery life. Our testing and customer data show that the actual battery life of the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, even taking into account variable component differences, vary within just 2-3% to 3% of each other. Such variances fall into the acceptable norms for most consumer electronics. Yeah, and they have a great point there, you know, doing the uh, unrealistic amount of time with the highest CPU performance state. What really happens is that, you know, if, if there is a slightly better performance of one of the processors, it actually may get throttled down more because of the heat that it generates. And that's where you know, mobile devices really have issues, you know, shedding the heat that uh, that gets generated when it's really working hard. And, and you know, kind of like what they say, it's, you know, within two to three percent. And and to me, that seems a little bit more realistic under normal circumstances. Right. You know, and I um, I've heard about this. I've read about it um, throughout the news this week. And, and to the point, I haven't even checked which processor mine has. Um, I haven't noticed any battery life issues, and actually it's been significantly better. Uh, I think mostly because I've got T-Mobile and the Wi-Fi calling on most of the time, but uh, my battery life has been has been really great. And it's also a new battery. I mean, you know, it's a, a year newer than my 6. And so a lot of different things uh, in uh, in play here. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm glad that Apple addressed this one very quickly. Uh, and uh, so we'll see if this uh, thing dies down here or if it continues on. My guess is the former. Apple added the option this week to purchase SIM-free unlocked iPhones via its website. The iPhone 6S uh, model A1633 and the 6S Plus model A1634, compatible with most LTE networks, including those of AT&T and T-Mobile, as well as GSM networks in the U.S. and abroad. Devices are sold at full cost without carrier contracts or obligations, uh, but nice to see those finally out. On the Windows side, Microsoft on Tuesday announcing a new version of its Band wearable wrist device. The Band features a curved color OLED display with Gorilla Glass and a rubber strap. Like the predecessor, it tracks GPS coordinates, UV exposure, and heart rate. New to this version is a barometer for measuring altitude, an integration uh, with the Cortana Assistant. Features include guided workouts, sleep tracking, calorie counting, and phone notifications. The Band, of course, also integrates with the Microsoft Health application, providing details for fitness tracking. The band also has extensive golf functions, track swing, uh, tracking swing information, and more. The band can be pre-ordered immediately and ships on October 30th for $250. Microsoft on Tuesday announcing uh, new phones. First up, the Lumia 950 and the 950XL, its own flagship phones for the new Windows 10. The phones support Windows Continuum for a full Windows desktop experience when connected to a desktop monitor. The two models are similar, offering differing only by screen size, 950 with a 5.2-inch screen and the 950XL with a 5.7-inch screen. Both offer OLED and uh, Quad HD resolution. Using OLED technology, the phones can offer Lumia's low-power glance display notification. Also, both phones have 20-megapixel cameras with Carl Zeiss optics, triple LED flash, optical image stabilization, and a dedicated camera button. 
Um, both come with 32 gigs of internal storage and a memory card slot supporting up to two gig or excuse me two terabyte cards. The phones are powered by Qualcomm Snapdragon 808 or 810 processors with liquid cooling, and they have a Type C USB connector for fast data transfer and fast charging. A new Microsoft Display Dock accessory enables Windows Windows Continuum. The dock connects to the phone via US uh, USB C and to the desktop monitor via HDMI or Display Port. It also has three USB ports for keyboards and accessories connected to the dock the phone can be used as a full windows desktop running uh, desktop versions of universal applications from windows including office and outlook uh, also when using the dock the phone can access files on the usb storage the phones will be available in november for 549 and 649 for the 950 and 950 xl respectively kind of taking the nokia heritage here that sounds like they've got some really great cameras in there and that's what's uh, kind of exciting about those because that's uh, quite a bit of power and it's interesting the the desktop dock thing where you can do the, the basically kind of what they call the metro apps on full screen that's neat but i you know, real world, I don't know how many people would actually be using that, but it's still uh, nice you can do that. Um, it's kind of one of those goofy technologies where that's, it, it, it sounds good to be able to do that, but uh, I don't know the actual usage case. But the, of course, the cameras are really what's, uh, what's interesting. Well, I'm thinking about it like from a, from a business person's perspective, if you're sitting there at a desk and you've got this, this phone is your computer and you've got it hooked into your laptop or you've got it into your, your monitor, I guess is what it is. And you get a phone call, then you've got to pick it up and you've got the wire hanging off of it and you're like talking on it, uh, you know, as it's connected, you know, to the, all the stuff. And then if you decide that you want to go take a walk somewhere, then you got to unplug it. And essentially now you've disconnected your computer and, I don't know. It's uh, it seems a little little wonky to me, but I guess maybe this is geared towards someone who is looking to um, replace a, a computer or just wants to use it as a supplementary computer. I don't know, but uh, either way, interesting in uh, in concept. We'll see how it is in execution. And then also in adoptability, and if this is something that people actually care about. On the low end side, Microsoft revealing a new affordable Windows phone called the Lumia 550. It's only $140, and it gives a uh, gives the user a 4.7-inch HD display, 4G LTE, 5-megapixel camera, front camera, and Windows 10. It uses a Qualcomm Snapdragon 210 processor, and a version for U.S. networks was not immediately announced, uh, but it will be available in December, like I said, for $140. And finally, Microsoft revealing via its Facebook page that Windows 10 Mobile will be available on a number of Lumia devices in December. The initial list of handsets includes the Lumia, Lumia 430 and 435, 532, 535, 545, excuse me, 635, 640, and 640XL, 735, 830, and the Lumia 930. Microsoft said the devices will need to be running Lumia Display uh, Lumia Denim update to Windows Phone 8.1 in order to install a Windows 10 mobile. Previously mentioned, the Lumia 950 and 950XL available in November will be the first handsets to ship with the new Windows 10 mobile. And if you thought BlackBerry was dead, well, you may be about right. BlackBerry CEO John Chen this week said the smartphone business uh, for its company needs to generate a profit in 2016, or they'll be thinking twice about what they do from there. The company announced last week the Priv. This is a vertical sliding smartphone that will run Android rather than BlackBerry's own platform. Chen said the company can port all of BlackBerry's security features, uh, if they can do it, uh, to the Android platform, that it may drop BlackBerry OS completely. Chen has previously warned that the company might cease making smartphones and that if they can't make money on the phone, it would be out, they will be out of the telephone handset business. Uh, in July, the company said that it would make no more than one to two smartphones a year. The Priv expected to arrive before the end of 2015. 
2018. Well, that's pretty uh, that's pretty awful for BlackBerry's uh, hardware future, really. I mean, you wouldn't come out and say that if you basically weren't planning on doing that because that I mean that's basically what you're doing there. So, uh, if anybody wants an iPhone or uh, I'm sorry, a BlackBerry OS device, you better uh, hurry up and get one because you won't uh, it won't probably be supported much uh, after this uh, they abandon it. No, and it's probably going to be a lot like the the WebOS was, right? I mean, you're, you'll see it as kind of a, a legacy system, and you'll see a lot of uh, enthusiast communities and stuff as people continue to, you know, to carry it on. But it's going to be um, relatively limited as far as the amount uh, of devices that are out there, and so you're going to see very, very little support for this moving forward. I mean, this this to me is the final nail. If this is what they're they're banking on, is this priv is going to be their, uh, you know, their their savior device, which I don't think anyone is really thinking that it will be. Software news this week: Apple device owners will soon be able to pay for their purchases via Apple Pay at Starbucks. This will start sometime next year. Um, Apple Pay's executives said that Apple and Starbucks will begin trialing Apple Pay at some stores with a broader rollout in all U.S. stores expected sometime in 2016. Though it didn't say whether or not the Starbucks customer loyalty program would be included, i.e. being able to use your Starbucks card. Apple Pay is available to the iPhone 6, 6 Plus, 6S, and 6S Plus. Chili's and KFC also plan to support Apple Pay as well in 2016. Verizon this week saying that support for Samsung Pay will be added to compatible phones through a future software update. Samsung Pay initially launched with support for AT&T, Sprint, and T-Mobile, but Verizon said that it was considering the mobile payment service as well. Uh, Verizon did not say whether the delay uh, say what delayed its commitment to the application, but it's now on board. Samsung Pay will be added to the Galaxy S6, S6 Edge, Note 5, and S6 Edge Plus. Verizon didn't say when it plans to deliver this update, just that it would be happening soon. And Google revealing on Wednesday, in addition to the Android 6.0 Marshmallow update, built-in language translation. Google said people who've installed the Google Translate application on their Marshmallow device will be able to translate up to 90 languages directly from within any application that uses the Android selection tool. People can type one language, highlight the text, and then choose the translation tool to convert it to the language of their choice. Some of the apps compatible with the function include Gmail, Messaging, Hangouts, and other Google applications. This is the is only available to the newest version of Android, but Google will be offering it to developers so that it will be likely be added to more third-party applications. Very cool, especially for those that communicate with people from all over the world. It really is. And then I'd, I'd seen it, it was either this week or last week, Skype introduced a real-time voice translation service, which is essentially just the the uh, Star Trek's uh, universal translator that seemed just so far-fetched that that's not anything that could ever be possible, ever. And it's basically a reality now. Yeah, that's that's amazing when you can see that stuff. I mean, you and literally see it too. I mean, that's the other thing that this Translate app does is that you take the camera and you push it, at, you 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 focus it on some text and it translates it for you in real time. It's a lot of fun. I've I've played around with it. I have yet to actually need it for any sort of purpose, but um, I keep it on my phone just in case because I know that someday there will be something that will come up that I'll want to translate and there it will be ready for me to use. Uh, Apple Watches uh, can now read incoming Facebook messages thanks to a Facebook Messenger messages thanks to a recent update adding smartwatch ca- uh, compatibility. You can also send voice clips, likes, and stickers to people. The addition of the Apple Watch functionality lets uh, Facebook Messenger also now reveal uh, contacts and conversations in the iPhone's search tool. Moreover, Facebook Messenger brings support for the iPad's split-screen multitasking capability 
and Facebook Messenger is free to download. Google on Monday said it began distributing Android 6 Marshmallow to the Nexus 5 and Nexus 6 smartphones, along with the Nexus 7 and Nexus 9 tablets. The update will be pushed out in waves and is available as an over-the-air download. Google will be posting the factory images of 6.0 Marshmallow for Nexus devices to its website, as they always do, allowing for the manual flashing of the OS to the device itself. In uh, questions and comments this week, we just have one, and it is a voicemail from Ben. Hey guys, this is Ben Forrest from Red Bank, New Jersey, with part two of my iPhone 6 review. The 3D Touch continues to be probably my favorite of the changes. Um, I find myself even using some of the Apple apps that I don't normally use is because I like using them with 3D Touch. So that's really grown on me. I guess uh, going to some of the concerns, battery life. It's not what I was hoping it would be. Um, I get through a day, I'm a heavy user, but if I'm going into the city or I'm not going to be easily around someplace where I could plug it in, I'm going to probably bring a backup battery with me. Lastly, I guess I could comment on, I've had some iOS 9 bugaboos, I've had the phone basically on its own do a restart three times and I've had to do a restart because it froze twice um, but by and large it's been running very well every time the thing restarted it was fine afterward now I I don't subscribe completely to the philosophy you guys follow about going for the big numer numerical iPhones I've had them all and I've actually always been happier with the S models myself um, and I, I would have to say that goes here. It's so much faster and more responsive than my 6 was. And, and it also has a lot of ramifications with a lot of things with Siri and iOS 9. And I've used iOS 9 on my 6. So um, I'm very happy with the phone overall. Um, there are some tweaks they have to do to it. Um, I don't know if uh, they'll ever get to my fantasy battery life where I never have to think about it, but I can always dream. Thank you. Over. Ben, thanks again for uh, calling in uh, with your comments here on the uh, the new iPhone that you uh, picked up there in the 6S Plus. And, uh, you know, kind of like me, you know, liking the Touch ID and, you know, the battery life, obviously going from a 6 to a 6S Plus, you're, you're absolutely going to see a, uh, um, you know, an upgrade there. Um, so the, the one thing that um, that Ben also did is he followed up with this voicemail and just to clarify on his his. In, I'll just say being a fan of the S cycle devices. Um, and he said, I just want to let you know, I generally prefer the S of iPhone upgrades. Um, I'm aware of course that they have more things and features in, in them in the previous model. Um, but what I really like is, and the iPhone six as an example, um, the, is the wow improvement was the screen size, but that was about it with the five S in my opinion, it was extremely competitive in every other respect. This of course is not a factor in the differences between the OSs as I've had bumpy transitions in the OSs in the past but honestly the s's have rocked on so many levels in the past that i just prefer them so anyway it's it's an interesting perspective in differing from one that you and i have joey and really yeah and, and of course those earlier devices especially the 4 and the 4s and the 3gs i do agree with the s's being much better devices however with the uh, i do take exception with the the iphone 5 was a major upgrade from the 4s uh every way you look at it uh not only with the lte introduction but also just with the size and the weight and the design 
Uh, and of course, the, the speed of the device, so way better uh, device compared to the 4S. Uh, uh, the, and of course, I kind of uh, disagree also with the 6. I think the 6 was a you know major improvement. Even though it was not much in the processor, it was drastically faster uh, than the 5S, I think. And um, it, of course, just the, the weight um, and the size, it feel it, to me, it feels lighter because it's, it's a, it's a wider device, but, but I do agree that, um, you know, the, the, the current devices, of course, Apple does a very good job of doing a consistent upgrade for, you know, either cycle of the, of the device where there's a, you know, a good amount of changes and updates and improvements for, uh, for anybody to do an upgrade whenever, you know, they see fit. Well, and with all these new programs now, people are going to be getting new devices even sooner. It's it's crazy when you think about this, how we've gone from a um, a cycle where you really wanted to get a new phone every year to the last couple of years where you've gone, well, I can probably stretch it out to two years really without much much hassle here. And uh, and, and now the, the carriers are kind of feeling like, well, we really got to figure out a way to get them back into this game. And so offering financing plans, you know, early upgrade, I guess, uh, programs, uh, if you will, um, you know, these up, annual upgrade things and all of that. And yeah, we're willing to spend a couple extra bucks every month to understand that we'll get a new phone every year. And that's pretty exciting to be thinking about a new phone every year. Um, and so just, I think that's going to, that's going to entice a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to jump on that because for only a couple extra bucks a month, and essentially you just walk in with your old phone, drop it off and get a new one. That, that's a great, compelling thing. It is, but you do have to be careful because over the long run, that will cost you a, a lot more money. If it's a device that you could potentially use for, you know, two to three years, you can save quite a bit of money by, you know, paying for it, you know, buying it outright and then not, you know, financing after that, uh, you know, after that period of time. So you definitely do keep that in mind. But, uh, you know, I don't, uh, there's numerous people at the office that had four S's still and they were perfectly happy with them. And they didn't even care to get the new phone where it was something like their spouse just went and, you know, had to get one for their, for themselves, get a success. So they just got the success upgrade while they were at it and they didn't even care still. So, I mean, the, the, the devices themselves, uh, you know, people really do like them and, and have real no trouble, uh, you know, just, you know, going on and on, you know, multi-year old devices. It is interesting when you think about it, just how, how crazy that is to, to a 4S. You know, that was the device that was released in 2012, and you're not actually, you know, uh, able to do everything that I think the current devices are, right? I mean, I, we're at, at a point right now where you're, you're stuck on iOS 8, I believe, right? Uh, no, uh, 4S, you can still do the 9, uh, surprisingly, oh, really? but of course, lots and lots and lots of features aren't available uh, in, in that OS. I mean, uh, there's so many things that aren't um aren't in there it's it's hardly the same thing yeah well either way that would just baffle me to I, I guess i've seen some people using them too but just to be still on a device that's that old and how is your battery still working etc just doesn't i don't know just does not seem to be a, a realistic thing so um either way lots of uh l lots of good stuff here thanks very much ben for calling in uh with your commentary on that uh as as always there we appreciate that if you have any questions or comments for uh for us please let us know give us a call 650-999-0524 or send an email or your voicemail over an email like ben did to questions at the cell phone junkie.com and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening for more information about the stories you've just heard visit us at the cell phone junkie.com <laughs>